Our Lord God, as we take a closer look at these words of Jesus, teaching us about what life could be like with him as our king. Lord, would you help us to set aside the things that we think about this world and listen to you? Help us to submit to your word, knowing that it is true, knowing that it is helpful for teaching us, rebuking us, training us in righteousness. Lord, help us to listen to you now as you speak and shape us by your spirit to put into practice what we learn. For our good and for your glory, we pray. Amen. Well, friends, if you're uh, new to church this morning, can I tell you that this sermon is for you? If you're not sure where you're at with the Lord Jesus, this sermon is for you. Likewise, if you've been in church your entire life, this sermon is for you. Because our lives are complicated things, aren't they? Our, our lives are an abundance, an accumulation of decisions that we need to make. Choices, choices, choices. Go down the aisle of a supermarket and you have to make a choice about which brand of toothpaste or breakfast cereal or toilet paper you will buy. You need to make a choice about what you will do with your time. What career will you follow? You need to make choices about where you will live, who you will live with. Our lives are an abundance of complex choices. Uh, But today, the message is really simple. Today, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus condenses the complexity of all of life's choices and boils it down to just one decision. One decision that we all need to make And a decision with only two options. What you eat, where you live, who you live with, what you do with your time, all summed up into one single decision. It's a decision that defines you, a decision that determines who you are and where you're going. And the decision is this. Will you live for yourself or will you live for God? Will you live for yourself or will you live for God? And because this decision is such an important one, because it defines who we are, because it determines where we're heading, where we'll spend the rest of eternity, well, Jesus gives us four different ways of understanding that decision in this passage. If you grab the handout on the way in, you'll see those four ways on the back. The first of those ways, we begin in verses 19 to 21. Because we all need to make a decision about whether we will live for ourselves or live for Jesus. And the first way that Jesus shows us what this decision means, he shows us that it's a choice between what is temporary and what is forever. Take a look. The words are on the screen. Verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. The decision of who we will live for 
whether we'll live for ourselves or live for Jesus, is a decision of what we will store up, what we will treasure, what we will love most in life, what we will dream about, what we will look to for security, what we will be angry about if it is lost. And friends, the default option for all of us is living for ourselves and that will always lead to storing up treasure here on earth. You see, we live in a world that is obsessed with storing up treasure for ourselves, don't we? The message of our world is store up treasure, accumulate more. We learn it from a young age. My son, Josiah, is obsessed with birthdays at the moment. He always wants to know when his birthday is next. You know why, don't you? Because birthdays mean presents. And Josiah likes presents. He likes accumulating more treasure for himself. His birthday was in April, not that long ago. And he wants more already. And the treasure that he accumulates for himself, it doesn't last his birthday was in April, and we're already about to take his slot car back, the slot car track back for the third time. <laughs> Earthly treasures do not last. We learn it as kids, but it ends up defining all of life. The accumulation of earthly treasure defines the pipeline of growing up in the Western world, doesn't it? Here is the paradigm for growing up in our world. Go to school to get educated so that you can get a good job and earn a good money so you can buy a good house and then you can spend the rest of your life cleaning it and endlessly upgrading it. That is what our world is about. And it consumes us. Now it's worth bearing in mind, Jesus is not condemning money here. Jesus is not saying money itself is a problem. He's not even condemning storing up for yourself. I mean, if you look at Proverbs 6, uh, God points us to the ant, the little ant, and says, you know, be like the ant that stores up for itself in summer so that it will have food in winter. Uh, There's nothing wrong with storing up, with planning, with being prepared Money is a good gift from God that we should enjoy. It's even okay to be rich. In 1 Timothy 6, Paul instructs Timothy on what he should teach rich Christians. And he doesn't say, tell them to get rid of all their money. He does tell them to be generous. The problem isn't money itself. The problem with earthly treasure that Jesus points out here is that it doesn't last. It rusts, it decays, it gets mouldy, it gets broken, it gets lost, it gets stolen. It becomes redundant, it goes out of fashion. And even if it does last, you won't take it with you. You've heard the saying, haven't you? Hearses don't pull trailers. Job in the Old Testament, he he puts it like this. He says, naked I come into the world and naked I will depart. And so if our lives are a journey that begins in nakedness and ends in nakedness, well, let's not get too hung up about luggage. 
In Luke chapter 12, Jesus tells a parable. Parable of the rich fool. You might know it. There's a man who has a good crop. He harvests it and he doesn't have enough room to store all that he's harvested. So what does he do? He decides to himself, I'm going to tear down my barns and build bigger ones so that I can accumulate more for myself. And then when he does that, he's about to sit back, relax, enjoy life, thinking I've made it. This is it. And God intervenes. God interrupts his moment of relaxation and says, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? We live in a world of rich fools, don't we? We live in a world of people striving to accumulate more and more for themselves. And Christians are not immune to this. We've all embraced this kind of thinking. That life consists in the abundance of our possessions. We're bought into the lie that we're missing out if we don't have a nice house in a good postcode. If we don't get to travel the world. We're bought into the lie that even if money can't buy us happiness, well, it can sure buy us a lot of other things. Things which might make us more comfortable, more secure, which might ultimately lead to more happiness. To this attitude, Jesus says, you fool. What a stupid choice. You can live your whole life consumed with the pursuit of wealth. You can accumulate all the money in the world and at the end you will gain nothing. Because you've chosen a bad treasure. But there is a better one. There is a treasure that lasts There is a treasure that's immune from decay. A treasure that can never be lost or stolen or destroyed. A treasure that will survive a mouse plague. A ransomware attack. A stock market crash. Because it's a treasure that will last even beyond death. Jesus calls it treasure in heaven. And it's the riches of getting to enjoy God forever. Just think about this. It's the joy of getting to live with the one who gives you everything that satisfies you a little bit now. Remember, God is the one who gives you food that is incredible to eat. He's the one who gives you music that is pleasing to your ears. He's the one that gives you sensations that thrill you, that excite you. We get to enjoy that God. Forever. We will be perfectly satisfied. We'll have joy, but not only that, we'll have security. The security that we look to in earth, for earthly possessions now, we'll have that perfectly living with the God who loves us and cares for us, provides for us, and protects us. And so, how do we store up treasure in heaven? Well, we do that when we do anything now which prepares us for a life of eternity. So everything that you do today that shows the world, that convinces yourself that what matters most is not what you have in your pockets, 
but that you have God, that you have relationship with him, that you are determined to please him above all else. That is storing up treasure in heaven. And one day you will enjoy it. So friends, the question is, what are you storing up for yourself? What do you treasure? What do you love? Will you treasure what you have now? Or will you treasure what you can have forever? The decision that we all need to make is a decision between what is temporary and what is forever. As we move on to verse 22, Jesus says that it's also a choice between aimlessness and purpose. That same decision, whether we will live for ourselves or whether we will live for Jesus, is a choice between aimlessness and purpose. In verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body, says Jesus. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now these verses are a little bit confusing, uh, but here's what Jesus is saying. Bad eyesight means you will live in darkness. Which means getting lost. Now, uh, I happen to be able to speak from experience on this one because my eyesight is not very good. Uh, if you've ever done an eye test, I can read the E. That's all. Uh, my eyes are not good. And when your eyes aren't good, well, you, you can't see the world well. You get lost easily. You think that people are other people. <laughs> I once got into the unfortunate circumstance of going to greet who I thought was my wife with a passionate kiss. Turned out it wasn't my wife. <laughs> Dangerous things happen when you can't see. You get lost. In Jewish thought, the eye wasn't just the thing that you see with, though. The eye is the thing that drives you. The thing that determines where you're going, where you're focused. It's, it's like how we might talk about the heart. The heart is the thing that drives you, the thing that determines what you want in life. Well, in, in Jewish thought, the eye was that as well. And so the point is, how you see the world, the things you look at, determine how you live in the world but to add another layer of complexity here, the words that Jesus uses here to describe eyesight, healthy and unhealthy, well, these are actually moral words. Having unhealthy eyes doesn't just mean having bad eyesight, it means having evil eyes. Having eyes only for yourself. That's the kind of idea that Jesus is communicating here. So essentially he's saying, if you live your life for yourself, if you're selfish, if you're greedy, if all your desires and ambitions are self-focused, then you'll be living in darkness. You'll be blind. You're lost and aimless. Your life has no purpose. Consider the difference between how you do things when it's light and when it's dark. 
How do you walk in the house when it's pitch black? You don't walk with purpose, do you? You walk around going like this, hoping that you don't bump into things. Well, that's the picture here. If we're self-focused, we're going to be walking around in circles. We're going to be lost. We're going to be bumping into things. We're going to have no idea where we're actually heading. We will stumble. When you walk in the light, you walk with purpose. You know where you're going. You're determined. You're on a mission. You go. And our world is full of people who are walking in darkness. They don't don't know who they are or what they're living for. They don't know where they're going. A few years ago, I was doing kind of street evangelism in New Zealand, actually. And I I met a guy on a uni campus in New Zealand. And I asked him about what his life was about. What are you living for? What gets you up out of bed in the morning? Don't know. I haven't really thought about it. That was a common answer that I got from people. No no one really thinks about these things. I asked him, was he troubled by that? Does that bother him? Not knowing what life is about, not having an answer to the meaning of life. He said, not really. He said, if I knew... uh, He he was comfortable with not knowing because not knowing meant he wouldn't be disappointed if he didn't get to where he wanted to go. Do you see that logic? If we don't aim anywhere, then we'll never be disappointed. The problem is, if we don't aim anywhere, you'll end up somewhere and realise that's not where you want it to be. Our world lives in darkness. People don't know where they're going, but they are going to end up somewhere. And it's not going to be somewhere they want to be. And so, friends, you have a choice. You can live for yourself, live in the dark... Be aimless, have no purpose or meaning in your life, or you can live for God and you can find light. You can find purpose and meaning for your life. You'll get up and know what you were here for. You'll have a reason for your existence. The decision we all need to face is one of whether we will serve ourselves or serve God. It's a choice between now and forever. A choice between aimlessness and purpose. In verse 24, Jesus goes on to show us that it's also a choice between slavery and freedom. Again, Jesus is dealing with the issue of money. But to ensure that no one thinks it's possible to store up treasures on earth and in heaven at the same time. Jesus says this in verse 24. He says, No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, you might have two jobs, two bosses. That can work. It's not a problem there. But you can't have two slave masters. Being a slave is a whole of life commitment. Everything that you are, your entire existence is for the service of your master when you're a slave. And friends, many people today are enslaved to money. Because in our society, money defines who you are. Money is the thing that distinguishes the haves from the have-nots. It separates the somebodies from the nobodies. In our society, what you're worth is measured by what you're worth. 
And so we make ourselves slaves to money. Money becomes the stuff of our dreams, the drive for our decisions. We're going to think about how many times in your life you've lost sleep over a money issue. Whether you're dreaming about getting more of it or anxious living a nightmare about the possibility of losing it. Now, no one thinks they're a slave to money. No one says, oh, I'm a slave. I enjoy slavery. No one thinks they're a slave. You say, oh, I'm not a slave. I just like money. I'm not a slave. Money serves me. But if your life is about living for your dreams, achieving your goals, if your time and energy is spent focused on working out how to improve your circumstances, getting a better job, going on more holidays, getting more time for yourself, getting the kids in a good school, living more comfortably, having more security, if that's the things that occupy your thoughts, the things that grab your attention, then I can guarantee you that money is going to be a driving force in your life. Money is going to be the thing that drives your ambitions and desires and dreams. Achieving your hopes and your dreams and your plans will all go down to whether you can get the loan or get the credit card or whether the job pays enough or whether the market is increasing. And so, friends, whether you realise it or not, when you do that, you've become a slave to money. And if your life is about how much money you own, well, the reality is that money owns you. And it's a terrible master. It promises you freedom, but it doesn't deliver. It locks you up. It offers you hope, but it cripples you with despair and doubt. Friends, money is a terrible master, but the good news is that there is a good master, a better master, a master that offers us true freedom, a master that has your best interests in mind, a master that loves you and loves to see you flourish. Your life is a choice between serving a relentless slave driver or a loving father. It's a choice between temporary and forever, a choice between aimlessness and purpose, a choice between slavery and freedom. And now as we come to verse 25, the decision we all need to make is a choice between worry and peace. In verse 25, Jesus brings his argument home to show that if you store up treasure in heaven rather than on earth, If you live in light rather than in darkness, if you serve God instead of money, then you have no need to worry about your basic needs. Verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Friends, if you're living for yourself, if the measure of your life 
is your own happiness, well, then you will worry about all these things. Getting food and getting better food, getting tastier food, healthier food, more food, premium food, these will be goals for you. Your wardrobe will become the thing that you focus on. It will consume your time, your energy. It will definitely consume your money. But friends, you're made for more than that. Life is more than food and clothing. The reality is because life isn't actually about you at all. Is that We live our lives as if life is about me, but... The truth of the gospel is that life is not about you. It's about something even better than that. It's about God. And he includes you into his family. He invites you in. Now, that isn't to say that these things aren't important. Jesus isn't saying here that food and clothing are unimportant. Don't worry about them at all. As in, don't wear them. No, he's not saying that. In verse 32, God shows that you need them. God knows that you need them, rather. He knows that you need food. He knows that you need clothing. Food and clothing are absolutely necessary. And so God provides them just like he does for the birds and the flowers. And you are far more valuable than birds and flowers. You need food and clothing, but there are things that you need more. There is something that should fill your time more than worrying about food. Something that consume you that should consume you more than money consumes you. Something that should be your number one priority. Verse thirty-two, Jesus says, "The pagans run after all these things. The world is running after food and money and clothing. Pagans run after those things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them." But verse thirty-three, but. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first Jesus' kingdom and his righteousness. Don't seek earthly treasure. Don't seek greed and self-obsession. Don't be a slave to money. All those things are about your kingdom They make life about you being the ruler of your life. Instead, seek God's kingdom. Strive for him. Be ambitious for him. Devote every moment of your time, every ounce of your energy, every cent in your pocket to living for him. Your life isn't about you. The earth doesn't orbit around you. In fact, the whole universe, including you, was created by Jesus and through Jesus and for the glory of Jesus. So make Jesus your priority. But then see the promise that comes with this in verse 33. All these things will be given to you as well. The food, the clothing, the money, all these things will come to you as well. Seek Jesus The food and the clothing and the money and all the rest, God will provide for you. Now, be careful. This is not Jesus saying that following him means you're going to be rich. Do not worry about food and money and clothing. Does not mean don't work. 
It also doesn't mean, you know, don't think about these things. Jesus isn't saying you should have nothing to do with food or clothing or money. Not worrying about those things also doesn't mean that you won't have any trouble. It's not a guarantee that you won't one day not have food or not have clothes to wear. At the the very end of this section, Jesus says each day has enough trouble of its own. There's essentially a promise there that we will have trouble. Do not worry means everything will be okay. But when you seek God's kingdom... When you seek his righteousness, then Jesus gives you everything you need to live. He gives you food, he gives you clothing, he gives you shelter, he gives you money, he gives you a heart that beats and he gives you lungs that breathe. And the moment he stops providing those things for you, the morning you wake up and there's no food in the pantry, the day the house burns down, the day you stop breathing, You are no less loved or less safe than you were before. In fact, it's when this life ends that we actually get to enjoy our treasures in heaven. It's when we get to find the fullest expression of Jesus' love and care and the joy of relationship with him. It's then that we will live forever in the new creation. Well, friends, you have a choice. All of us have a choice. Will you live your life for yourself or will you live your life for Jesus? It's a choice between something that is temporary and won't last and something that is glorious and eternal. It's a choice between living your life in this aimless wandering or living with purpose and meaning and hope. It's a choice between slavery to money or the freedom that is found in serving God. It's a choice between worrying about the things of this life and the peace of knowing that you are safe and secure in God's provision. You have a choice between living this life for yourself or living for his glory. And so friends, I invite you to make that decision. And then live that decision each day. Because it will be this decision that guides every other decision that you make. Everything will be determined. Am I living for myself or am I living for someone greater? And so I invite you to live out that decision each day. Let's pray. Our Lord God, we are grateful that you offer us the best life we could possibly have. A life now that is full of meaning and purpose because we know that we were created for your glory. A life that has the hope of a heavenly inheritance where we enjoy eternity with you. Lord, we we are grateful that you offer us a life of freedom. A life where we can serve you knowing that you care for us. Lord, we are grateful that you offer us a life of peace, a life of knowing who we are and where we're heading. And Lord, I ask that you would give us the strength to live that life, the life of Jesus being our King, where we submit to his rule and reign. 
Lord, keep us from seeking earthly treasures. Keep us from striving for things that don't satisfy us. Lord, would you help us to live for you? We pray this for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.